episode of Simply Champagne with your favorite champagne sommelier here, Cornelius Anthony Jr. And this is a very special episode, dear to my heart. I have my good friend, my brother in Christ. And this is actually the first person I reached out to in regards to champagne bars in the United States and getting his story and getting the insides of the in and outs of running a champagne bar, which he would probably say better, a fizz bar. My a good fizz friend. Bar. Yes. Yippee-ki-yay, mother fizzer. You better believe it. Right. That's right. My good friend, my brother, Mr. Raymond James Irwin. How are we doing today, sir? Oh, fizz friggin' tastic, Cornelius. It's so good to see you and get to chat with you and get to talk fizz. It's the happiest uh, beverage on earth, and uh, there's no greater guy I'd love to be with than you right now. Absolutely, and thank you. Thank you so much. And um, if you ever in the Sacramento area family, please go out and see him. He is as vibrant as you see in, the, in person and also... Um, a good person to talk champagne with. So getting started, tell everybody, how did you get on your wine journey and how did you get into champagne? Yeah, well, crazy thing, total God thing. You know, my my degree was in opera, right? So I like to say I went from opera singing to champagne slinging. Nice. And so I went to, born and raised in Sacramento. I went to school in Ohio. I went to a conservatory, Cleveland Institute of Music in Cleveland, Ohio. And while I was there, conservatory is expensive. And so I needed to pay the bills and there was an incredible restaurant that I would just go to as often as I could, as often as my girlfriend's family would be in town and could take me and pay for me to go to this restaurant. Um, and it was called Lobatross. And there uh, was an awesome GM who was an advanced sommelier and uh, his name was Brandon Kostowski and brilliant, brilliant guy. And so I applied to work there and I got a job. And I learned so much about hospitality, so much about wine from him. I mean, I was, I was, I started there at 18 or 19. So I started there even before I was even allowed to even drink, but right. being in this atmosphere, I'm learning so much. And, and uh, it was really the top restaurant in Cleveland and learned um, a heck of a lot. But so I left that or, you know, I graduated, I went to Europe, I went to France, I went to Italy, I sang, uh, and, you know, I learned in conservatory French and Italian, obviously both helped me a lot where I am now and came back, realized I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. As I'm coming back to SAC, I stop in Chicago and I'm a young 22 year old and I'm looking on Yelp for a place to grab a drink and this champagne bar called Pops pops up. And I'm like, nice. champagne bar. What the fizz? I didn't say what the fizz at the time, but what the F never heard of a champagne bar 2013. Right. And so I go, and I'm transfixed. I'm mesmerized. I'm like, wow, so many champagnes. Everyone is joyful. Everybody's celebratory. Every age group, every demographic. It was, it was incredible. And all I could afford was a half glass of champagne. Sat on that half glass of champagne for three hours. And I went every day I was there. And nice. before that, I loved champagne. But I was a closeted champagne lover. I thought, well, I can't, you know, like... I can't like love champagne where I have it all the time, right? Like maybe I'll have some for New Year's or an anniversary, something really special, but I can't just have it all the time. And going to Pops for me really gave me permission to realize, fizz that, I can drink it whenever the fizz I want. And so came back to California 
And whenever I went out, I would get fizz. Whenever anybody came over, I'd open a bottle of fizz. Whenever I went anywhere, I would bring a bottle of fizz. So it just really became a part of my life and, and, and who I was. And for me, it was even more so than just having the best type of beverage. It was about celebrating the everyday. And obviously, champagne and great sparkling wine is about celebration. But we've kind of relegated it to it has to be big, big occasions. And it does. I think every day that God has given us is something to celebrate. So I have a glass every day for that reason. And I believe we need to get more people in that mindset of celebrating every day that we've been given. It's such a blessing. And um, so love champagne became part of who I was. I'm watching Netflix, eating pizza. You better believe I'm popping a bottle of fizz. Like it just yes. really was my thing. And so then eventually this idea of, man, how cool would it be to be part of a champagne bar? Maybe I could help manage a champagne bar. Maybe I could invest in a champagne bar. So it's like, nah, fizz it. I'm just going to open one. And so when I decided to do that, I booked a flight to go to Champagne, France for a month. And the idea was, I fully believed. I wasn't a psalm then. I hadn't gone through any um, any specific training or champagne training at that time. It was really, I just knew I really loved the product and I was passionate. But I believed that you can read as much as you want. But until you go there, you're never going to really fully understand it. So I was like, fizz it, I'm doing it. I paid for wow airlines, which you've never heard of it because it doesn't exist and it will make you go wow for all the wrong reasons, but, um, flew out there. I had nothing scheduled and I would literally be sending emails the night before I would be knocking on doors and I would be going to as many different types of producers as possible. I would be Googling, reading, reviewing, um, Peter Liam's book wasn't out at the time. So I was probably using Tom Stevenson's um, second edition of, you know, yes. the champagne encyclopedia, um, and just going and looking at different ratings, reviews, and people that he really, really liked. And we just literally, like I said, call, knock on doors, uh, email, and, and I would go. And so I went to 40 different champagne houses, growers, um, producers in, in a month and really got to meet with, with the producers, meet with the winemakers, meet with the owners, presidents, all that stuff to really grasp. And I went to every region, right? So I was in every sub region of champagne all throughout and learned a heck of a lot. Came back to SAC, got it together, got a business plan, got investors, got a space and the rest was history. And now you didn't mention it, but for all of all of your fans, you know, we have Walnut Creek is coming and I'm praying to God it's going to be open by the end of this month. So Fizz Walnut Creek, um, the first champagne bar in the East Bay will be opening um, by the end of this month, fizzwalnutcreek.com. So we are very, very excited about that. Nice, nice. Glad, glad to hear that. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Bring me to my, bring me to our second question. So in regards to Fizz, what makes Fizz so unique? How is the ambiance and uh. what is... What's the expectation for customers? It's when they such come a unique them? bar because obviously, first and foremost, it is a true champagne bar and sparkling wine bar. I think a lot of places will call themselves a champagne bar or a sparkling wine bar, but the actual amount of champagnes they have by the glass or by the bottle are extremely limited. And it's mostly a cocktail bar mm -hmm. that has a little bit of champagne. That's not our game. We do have great champagne cocktails, but I have 25 different champagnes and sparkling wines by the glass. You're not going to find that at most places, most even, you know, great known named bars that like champagne. We have over 125. It's, I think, 150, but conservatively 125 by the bottle. Wine Spectator um, recognized champagne selection. Um, and then our flights. 
No champagne bars, for the most part, actually have flights every day. Have them on the list. Create an experience around that. I believe for people to really um, question their palate and, and, and challenge their palate, rather, and grow um, their knowledge of champagne is to taste the differences, right? Right. So many right. people think champagne tastes the same. Like, bless their hearts. They just don't know. It's really ignorance. You know, we can't get upset at their ignorance because it's the way champagne's been portrayed. It's been Absolutely. the back burner. It's been the back burner behind still wines, behind beer, craft beer, and behind craft cocktails. It's been relegated to the benches, which is so interesting to me, and I'm sure to you as well. So we have to really put it front and center. And I think doing flights in a fun low pressure way you know ours are fun we make it fun the quality of the product's great but you better believe it's fun champagne in the membrane the baller flight rosé all day champler around the world we make it fun and approachable we are a bar that really focuses on approachability where if you want a phenomenal eight dollar glass you're gonna get it if you want a hundred and twenty five dollar glass you're gonna get it you want a bottle for thirty four dollars you will absolutely be able to have that and it's good or if you want a bottle for $2,500, you can absolutely have that. Everything in between. But my big thing is, and I think a lot of bars, they pander to their guests. We don't do We don't pander. We don't pander. If it's a champagne or a sparkling wine, I would not drink. I don't sell it. I'm really, really big on that. I'm really big about the quality of the product. And so I think we create an atmosphere that's super warm and welcoming. It's not arrogant. It's not pretentious. You're not going to see big chandeliers in my bar. That's not the vibe I'm going for. It's it's going to be very warm and inviting. It, it, it feels like a super lovely, elevated, you know, home. That's the idea of what fizz feels like. Walnut Creek will be a little bit more elevated than that, um, but it'll still be warm and inviting. For me, I'm not looking for the uber rich to just come into my bar. I'm not looking for those people because you know what? Most of those people have a palate that they don't want to change. They drink Absolutely. one champagne and you can probably guess what color it is. Right. Uh, and, and that's about it. You're not going to get those people. For us, Fizz is on a mission to create a champagne revolution. You don't get a revolution from the people on top. You get it from everyone way down lower. So I want the person who knows nothing. I want the person who uh, is open about this is what I drink and it's not that great, but that's what I know. So that way we can show them in, in a non-pretentious hospitable warm environment and that's really what our bar is known for to really celebrate the everyday and to create this environment with passion people and product where you want to be part of the revolution nice nice you guys are close to the um sacramento kings arena right right next door can you fizzing believe that so so, so you guys have to see the light of the beam all the time right oh yeah we are we have the beam fizz tail it is such a great sparkling wine cocktail and um i give credit to one of my great fizz tenders diana she came up with the drink but it is phenomenal and we make our house make house made a pea flower butterfly pea flower tea and it's a really really cool sparkling wine cocktail but yeah i mean it's been crazy you know we chose this location six years ago you know we turned five in october and right. um it's been it's been a really cool location because we do get so many events and we have all of these hotels around us. And at the end of the day, most people haven't heard of a champagne bar either. And we want to kind of change that. We want when people think of champagne in Sacramento and the region, we want people to think of fizz. When people see champagne, we want them to come to fizz and then go back to see you in Texas, to go back uh, and see our friends in Chicago, our friends in Kansas City, our friends in Napa. We want them to go everywhere else because for us to be a revolution is way bigger than us. It's way bigger than us. Well, seeing that you guys are you guys are located where most consider the 
U.S. capital of of wine and being in California. How has yes. Sacramento been in receiving fizz as such a niche champagne bar? Well, um, California is really interesting, right? We are considered to be the cradle of American wine, right? For a lot of good reasons. We're not far from that. I mean, uh, the AVA of Lodi, of Clarksburg, those are those are 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes from where right. we are, right? It's crazy. Then you have the AVA of, of Amador, El Dorado. You have so many places close, Sassoon, now for Petit Sarah, all these places. So, I mean, we're surrounded all around us. At the end of the day, Sacramento's a valley, so we're surrounded. Um, they love wine. There's been definitely a thing in California, and I think it's kind of similar to a lot of French people, to be honest, that because you live in California, you know wine and all of that. I think I'm sure you've seen, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of the people that, that listen to your podcast and, and follow you, you know, know there's big names that a lot of people gravitate towards when it comes right. to spill wine, sparkling wine, champagne, whatever. And that's just kind of what they go to because they think that's kind of the pinnacle. They don't, they don't challenge that. So for Sacramento and for us, I was told, oh, you don't have this champagne by the glass? That's not going to work. You're not pouring that? That's not going to work. Right. And my thing was, well, I can't correctly do my mission if I'm just pouring that because everybody else pours that. Why would I pour something Absolutely. everybody else has? Right. And so for me, it was like, no, 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 I'm going to pour things no one's heard of. Right. I don't want them to know the champagne. If they can just go get it at BevMo, if they can get it at Safeway, whatever, why the fizz would I pour it? So that's not my game. It's just not my game. And so for us, it's about showcasing bottles that they wouldn't have heard of. It's about showcasing small producers, maybe even in California that they wouldn't have heard of. I don't focus on the names you can get elsewhere. I want you to come and truly discover. You know, we're doing an amazing um, tasting with a great small producer that I highly recommend your readers to look up called Carbonist or Carboniste. Yes. Yes. And so we were one of the absolute very first people to ever feature their wines. Nice. And we put them in our champagne club uh, March of 2020. I'm sure you remember what a great yes. month that was. And um, we did a live tasting. You know, I got on that bandwagon real quickly. And we did a live tasting with them, with our club members. And nice. after we had it and had their sparkling Albarino from Gomez Vineyard, um, everyone now had it. I mean, it got out. And so for us, it's really about curating a really incredible selection, both in our in our champagne subscription club where we ship all over and in the bars of unique stuff that you haven't heard of to, to again, challenge your palate. Don't just do the house palate thing. God bless. Mum Napa is a great entry. It's a great place to start for someone, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I would love to showcase some some really interesting stuff. And, and that's what happens when someone comes to fit. So long story short to your question People really gravitate towards us quickly. And I think the reason was because it was a place of discovery. And most people are wanting to discover champagne and sparkling wine and they haven't been given permission and they don't know what's out there. So they want that place. So it's it's really been pretty awesome for us to showcase and let people discover. Nice, nice. I know you hit on earlier that you guys are expanding to your second location, which is, again, yes. congratulations for that. Thank you. What was the thought process behind that? And or is the Amias and kind of the direction for the new location going to be similar to the the uh, flagship or are yeah. you guys going to do something <laughs> a little bit different there? 
It's going to be very similar, but a little bit different, right? Um, It's for me, I know Sacramento very, very well, born and raised here. And I know Walnut Creek, East Bay pretty well. I've I've grown up going there forever. And so I know that clientele. I know kind of a little bit more what they expect. Um, It's going to be just a little bit more elevated as far as the seating finishes at Sacramento. We're, we're a cow town. We're the capital, but it's super laid back. So my seating surfaces are not velvet. Got you. A lot more wood, a lot more browns, neutral tones with some pops of, you know, really beautiful pastels. Whereas Walnut Creek, it's a little bit more elevated. And so there, for example, all of our bar stools will be velvet. The under bar will have a lot more gold accents. You'll see just more gold, but not gaudy, not showy not a place where anyone who came in in jeans and t-shirt came in from any Cree race, whatever I would, they would never feel out of place. And that's my big thing. And that no matter, and no matter wherever I open every location that fizz opens, the idea is everyone should feel super welcome and not out of place. And that the common person can be there and not feel like they have to have a lot of money to get great fizz and to learn and to enjoy. Nice. Nice. Hit on this also a little bit earlier. What goes into your thought process on picking your, Champagnes yeah. and sparkling wines. The biggest thing, so I've been training my team in Walnut Creek and, and I'll make sure they get this and hopefully they'll know what the two words are when I talk about the champagnes that we select for Fizz in the Bar. Unique and boutique. Those are the two words. I've ingrained that into my team members' heads. Like that. It's always about unique and boutique. So unique in that these are um, these are producers you haven't heard of. Uh, boutique, you're not finding them at BevMo. Target, Rayleigh's, whatever, any, you know, wine retailer, and even a lot of the wine shops, because, you know, a lot of the wine shops focus on large name houses, you know, big, good quality, maybe Tete Cuvées, but not some of these smaller ones, you know, they're not going to have the Pierre Peters, um, you know, Cuvée d'Esprit, right? They're not going to have these other ones that are such gorgeous champagnes or Les Chetillons, right? So it's about showcasing that. So for me, it's always about that unique and boutique characteristic um, and making sure that we have different price points for everyone. As much as someone might really want the Pierre Peters Le Chetillon 2008, they probably don't want to pay $300, $400 for it. Well, someone might not want to. There's reasons they should, but at the end of the day, you only have the amount of money you have. So I want to make sure I can then showcase to them, oh my gosh, you want to talk about one of the best co-ops in Champagne? Have you ever heard of Palmer? Let me talk about the Brut Reserve. Four years age, blah, 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 blah. So it's about trying to have something for everyone, but still being unique and boutique where they're not going to find it easily. I think the one thing that a lot of people don't understand also when it comes to champagne is that, and also to give a little highlight to the growers, is that a lot of these big Massans, Vu, Clico, Moet, Ballinger, yep. so on and so forth, are buying their grapes from these small producers. It's true. These small producers are just actually now deciding and have been doing it for a while. It's like, hey, since we know we have good grapes because, you know, the big houses have been selling really well. We might as well make our own wines also. So I think that's a good thing to highlight to customers also who are always stuck on the, the big massage. Right. You're right. That's a great point. Is yeah, that- I think I think you're totally right that a lot of people don't realize, oh, I mean, that, you know, you you love this this bottle of. Uh, of rare it's right. awesome rare's delicious champagne did you know though you you're you tend not to go to the growers but you realize those those little growers that you don't tend to go to that's where their fruit is exactly that and exactly. i'll tell you they might be giving really good fruit to them but they always keep the best for themselves absolutely that is true that so is correct. i always tell people the best value is going to be in those tete cuvées those vintages from those small growers even small ones you know people 
get really stuck on Premier Crew, Grand Crew, which I don't right. think they should. And, you know, when it comes to, and I think people need to really understand that the champagne classification is very outdated, first and foremost. Very. Um, and, and the way that it was created was, was fraught with, with issues and the fact that it's the only place where the entire village, right, is getting a designation. And, you know, not all spots are alike. Not all plots are going to be alike. And True. so that's great. Congrats. You got a Fizz and Grand Cru. But I'll tell you what, that may be way inferior to this non-vintage I have over here from, from, from Bazi, you know, in the Montagne de Reims. So I think at the end of the day, it's really about let's taste the wine, let's discover the wine, and let's not be focused on name. And again, for us, our focus is all about that discovery constantly. Nice, nice. What is your favorite champagne, champagne grape and why? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> I really feel badly for the Blanc de Noir lovers that come or that join my club because I do love Pinot Noir a lot, but I'm constantly putting in Blanc de Blanc. I just, it's, I feel badly because I don't mean to, but I'm like, oh my gosh, look at this amazing Blanc de Blanc, this, this, this from Vertu from this super, super tiny house. I just, I love Blanc de Blanc. I love Chardonnay. So Chardonnay, I love Chardonnay. I love how Chardonnay ages. I love the maturity of it. I love the complexity. I, I, I love how Chardonnay ages. And, um, and I, I love old champagne. Some people don't, which is totally fine. I do. And um, I just recently had a 1979 Dom Ruinart Blanc de Blanc. Ooh. And it was so fizzing good. And it aged just so beautifully. There weren't really any bubbles. But the quality, the acid, the length, uh, the absolute incredible maturation was just, un it was unbelievable. And I, we had that. I had that with some friends. We had that, while not the same vintage, so it makes it hard to compare. We had that next to a 64 um, Charles Heidsick. And that was okay. Pinot Noir dominant, right? So we're having 100% Chardonnay next to Pinot Noir dominant. And we all thought that Pinot, we all thought it was good. I mean, it was delicious, right? But tasting it next to just the freshness that the Chardonnay adds to a bottle, to, to a blend, it's just, it, it's just incredible. Especially if we're getting that super chalky Chardonnay from the Cote de Blanc, right? It's just, as it's aging, it's just going to be masterful. So I love Chardonnay. Nice. Day. Yeah. What, is your, what is your favorite champagne on your list right now? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I, it's so hard because it changes all the fizzing time, and I'm getting new stuff in all the time. Um, gosh. Uh, I just got in, which I, is super unique. Um, it's from a producer in Chamery. Uh, called Bertrand de Lespierre, and it's a super tiny, 100% organic um, producer. And this is their 2012 vintage. They call it Lam, which is the soul. So it's the idea is the soul of the 2012 vintage, um, or 2013, rather, 2013. Thank you. Uh, eight years age. And Ooh. it is just the finish has this incredible play with both this incredible salinity, but also this hella long finish of really great tropical notes so for me i love getting that minerality on the finish but also love having this incredible length that's still super young super vibrant super fresh and it's a blend of all three varietals like in equal parts and it's just it's just so cool for me it's like i have a sip and and it's just it goes it just it's nice. going for like 10 minutes so that's a super cool bottle that we just got in that everybody's been really really loving that i'm such a fan of Nice, nice. What is your unicorn champagne? 
So I've been lucky enough to have it three times, which is so obnoxious. And I, if I ever see it, I buy it. I rarely ever see it, but I will buy every single one if I ever have the chance. And everyone who's listening should as well. Um, 1985 Champagne Charlie from Charles Heidzik. Um, yes. Stupid. It is so yes. stupid. Um, it, it, I love 85. I think uh, if great people vintage. like older champagne, that is my favorite vintage. It's an exceptionally good vintage. Buy 85s, guys. I've gotten to have a lot of 85s. And um, I haven't gotten to have uh, – well, that's not true. I, well, I've gotten to have 85s from small – Houses like Air Lenoble, I've had their 85, but generally the 85s I've had are like Boulanger, Dom, uh, Charles, and uh, and then um, Rare. So mostly large houses, but whatever you can find an 85, just get and try it. And to me, it, this is just the most incredibly rich, supple, complex, uh, just, just sh stunning champagne. And there's really, the last one I had had, had a slight bit of effervescence, but having it at room temperature in the Zalto best glass, get the Zaltos was just, I mean, it's just so pleasurable. And the, I've had the champagne Charlie 82 and Magnum. That was a close second, but the, the, the original disgorgement, I've had the late disgorgement, but original disgorgement of 85 champagne Charlie, I think is like one of the absolute best champagnes that's ever been made. And um, they only made a few years. It was like an Uber tete cuvee from Charles Heidzik. Um, and I can't recommend someone get it enough. 1985 nice. Champagne Charlie. Yep. For those who can't get the 85, they, Charles Heisig did just re-release the, the Charlie. So if you have a chance and you find some, please go out and find some Charlie if you do see it out and about. It is worth every penny, and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal champagne. Charles Heisig is my house champagne. We drink Charles all, the quality the for time. the the quality that you get for that brute reserve, their 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 quote unquote entry level, is is unreal. The price yes. point is unreal. I mean, in California, uh, our base year that we're selling, it's 2018 base, and so which was an incredible vintage. You know, it was the start of that the most recent trilogy, 18, 19, and 20, mm -hmm. and 18 was freaking killer. 18 similar uh, to 08 in a, a lot of ways. Um, and so that's the base four years age, but 50% reserve wine up to 20 years. I mean, the toastiness, the brioche, the complexity yes. is yes. effing sensational. Get yes. it folks. It's so good. Get it, get it from your boy, uh, leading this podcast. If you are in Texas for sure. Um, and then the Rose as well. If people like a really intense, powerful, meaty, rich, supple Rose, their brute reserve Rose is absolutely exceptional too. So talk to me real quick about your uh, about, about the Fizz Club and what is it yes. offering? What things do customers get in being a part oh of my the gosh. Fizz Club? It's amazing. So we have in just the Sacramento area alone, uh, or in Northern California, I should say, we have about 500 members. Nice. Uh, and then in um, Washington, Oregon, uh, what's another state that we ship to? Um, down in SoCal, we have like another 100 members. Uh, and then in Walnut Creek, we're not even open. We have 100 members. It's crazy. Um, and so we ship, though, to several states, and they can learn that at fizzchampagneclub.com. But basically, the idea was I just really saw a need to showcase really great champagne and great sparkling that people aren't going to know about, see about, hear about, that they wouldn't find on their own. And so for me, it's about even selecting even more incredible bottles that even the bar, people that just come into the bar, they won't get. 
And so um, with it, you get, depending on the level, you get and start out just one bottle of like small production, unique and boutique champagne, or get two bottles of great fizz, one of them being a true champagne, one being a great sparkling that I found from around the world, like a six-year extended aging um, Blanc de Blanc Tete Cuvée from South Africa, from an incredible small producer, um, to something from the Canary Islands. So it's all about super unique stuff. Or our reserve level, you get two high-end bottles. Think, you know, vintage Grand Cru, single parcel stuff. That's really amazing. If we ship to you, you get an extra bottle every quarter as well. And then you also get um, some, we call them fizz bucks that you can use in our online bottle shop. And if you nice. live in Sacramento or Walnut Creek area, you can come pick up bottles, get complimentary flights, discounts when you're in. So it's it's really, really fun. And the idea is just about getting you to become your own fizz master, your own chief champagne officer in your own house. Uh, and, and have great bottles to share with people, bottles that you can always be assured of the quality versus having to just go to BevMo or somewhere and look, see the same stuff always and not sure, or just, just having that house palette. Our club, it's never the same bottles. It's always different producers. So you are never developing a house palette and it really That's teaches you how to taste champagne and great sparkling. And, and it really allows you, if you are really wanting to discover, it's, there's, there's nothing better. One of my favorite things that, that I love that you do, and I, I've been following you for years doing this, is that I know you really love going to Champagne because you're yes. in Champagne often. Yes. Um, and I know you love to do curated trips. How do the trips work? Yes. How can people be a part? Yeah, they, the you, everyone should definitely do a special, special trip, which we can, we can do for you. So um, we do them about a couple times a year. Most of our trips uh, are sold out but we always have options and, and ways for people to get on. But uh, yeah, I've been to Champagne 16 times and nice. uh, we've done four curated, I've created four curated trips to the Champagne region of France. Uh, and we have uh, one in 24 20, or one in 23 this October, 24 and 25. All three of those are sold out. They're all sold out. So we're adding, we're going to be doing another trip um, for all of you listening October is the most beautiful and best time to be in Champagne. Yes. Also, the winemakers are a lot more chill and relaxed because their Van Claire is settling and they're they're letting that sit. So they're in good moods uh, and they're not chaotic. Um, and so we'll be doing another trip to Champagne uh, this October, or not this October, but we're adding one for 24 and 25. And we're even doing South Africa in spring of 24 that we are so, so excited about. And nice. what's really great about our trip is... Not only do you get a fizz ton of champagne, but you really get to meet and discover and have these experiences that you couldn't pay for. You wouldn't be able to visit. You couldn't have. And it is it. I mean, it is unbelievable for me. Every time I go, I pinch myself because it's a once in a lifetime trip and I get to do it all these times. I mean, I get to do it every year. It's, it's really, really amazing. So if anybody is interested at all in going with one of our, on one of our trips, um, you know, they can go to fizzandsack.com uh, and shoot us a message. They can email me directly, rji at fizzandsack.com. Um, you know, we're talking, uh, Cornelius and I are talking about doing a special champagne master edition. So uh, you may have some info, people listening soon yes. on that as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really unique and, uh, there's no other, there's no other business that has bars, has highly curated champagne clubs and does trips. And mind you, we don't have someone else do it. 
We do everything. We book everything down to every little detail ourselves. We don't go through another party. So we truly control the experience and it is, it is mind-blowingly amazing. Um, and again, it's coming from the relationships I've curated and created from all of my times in Champagne. And speaking French definitely does not hurt. On our last trip, it was so much fun. We went to this great small producer called Stéphane Coquillette. And they are in Chouy, one of my favorite villages for Chardonnay in the Côte de Blanc, Grand Cru. And before I went, I had, I had reached out to our importer saying, you know, we featured the champagne in our club. Our club members have loved it. I want to go take club members to visit. And they said, well, you know, Raymond, he doesn't speak any English. And I'm like, great. I speak French, so it's fine. And so we go and, you know, I'm with 12 people. Not one of my people spoke in, or spoke French and, you know, he didn't speak any English. His wife, Marie-Laure, who's amazing, didn't speak any English. And we were with them for six hours nice and it was just constant laughter constant i mean he couldn't stop popping bottles we he was like oh i need to take you to this vineyard oh my gosh it's gonna be sunset we need to go you need to see this exposition at sunset in this vineyard it's like i mean it's that's what it's like and it's just crazy it's like okay hop in the bus here we go you know and then the one the, the bus driver will talk to the people and it's just off we go and so you know those are the really cool experiences and and incredible you know i they're, they're an incredible house, the Drapier family in, in the Aube, in the Cote de What they have done for that region is, yes. is huge, huge. Absolutely. And um, they, they're still family-owned, family-owned, family-ran, and they all are in it, and they're amazing family. We've taken our club members there twice, and we have the most special. Everything is closed. Everything shuts down. Charlene, Drapier, and, and Michelle, they, they're, they're showing us around. They're opening only magnums for us. And then Mrs. Drapier, Charlene's mother, uh, Michelle's wife, she makes a lunch for us. I mean, it is ridiculous. Oh, wow. This feast of a lunch just for us. And then, and then um, you have the brothers that then they take out their vintage Peugeots and these incredible vintage cars they have from the 20s and the 50s. And they drive us out to the Grand Sandre Vineyard, you know. And so it's just this amazing experience that you couldn't, you couldn't buy. And with what we offer and the value that you have, if you are listening and you love champagne, you actually want to discover it, you should come on our trip hands down. It'll be a trip of a lifetime and you will be beyond happy. Before I let you go, before I let you go, I want to ask, have you had any celebrity guests come through Fizz? And if you did, what was their champagne experience and what, was, what did yeah. they gravitate to? Yeah, so, um, you may know, and uh, your your viewers, if you follow the Kings uh, and Golden One Center, um, and actually you probably know because he's done the same in in Texas for whatever yes. the I don't know if it's the Rockets or the Nets or whatever. Yes, but, he's, uh, he's he's definitely the Champagne King of Houston. He is. So so Fitty Curtis, he um, has created a champagne, and he has um, partnered with Golden One Center to pour his champagne to Chemin du Roi, which means the King's path. And um, so he's come into Fizz a couple of times, use our private bubbles room, and uh, he drinks. He's true to brand, um, which I very much respect, and I would hope he would never drink anything else in public. But he drank a bottle of his champagne, uh, and that's always what he does. And uh, super, super nice guy, super, super nice guy. And so I've uh, got to be with him a couple of times, and he's come in a couple of times. And... Um, We've had a couple, a couple like uh, random soap stars. They like Piper Heidzik. That's been of a course. favorite of theirs. 
Um, Piper, you know, it's always on the movies, always in TV. Um, but yeah, so those are kind of our famous play, our, our famous people that have, that have come in so far. Um, but you know, lots of really cool executives, business owners, people that own incredible companies. And I love to chat with them about how they did it and what they created. Um, but yeah, I like to say the famous people that you don't see. Absolutely. Well, last last question of the night before we let you get up out of here is yeah. five years from now, what would you like to see Fizz at? Holy Fizz. You know, um, I I am very blessed to know that this is my destiny. You know, I, it's it's amazing Absolutely. when you when you lean into what God has for you and you follow that. It's it's like you're in a jet stream. And that's what I felt like the past five years. I, it's not work for me. There's hard days, but it is always a privilege and a pleasure. And I get to do what I absolutely love. Very few people get to say they actually get to make money doing what they absolutely love. And so, you know, for us, we're opening our second location now. Um, for us in five years, having our third location, probably in Newport Beach, SoCal, um, having a thousand, if not more club members. I mean, right now we have all these club members that aren't even in Sacramento. We don't even do any paid marketing. So our goal right now, um, once number two opens, Fizz Walnut Creek opens, our goal is to really hit heavy on the online paid media sphere and really grow the club because we really want people to be in that. We want to be doing trips every year. You know, I was talking to my, um, my director of operations and we know our, I mean, our value for what our club members want for our trips that we do now is it's a great thing, but we know we have people that they'd want a jet. So our goal five years, one of the trips that we do every year would be, we take a private jet. People are paying more. We're staying and doing even more unbelievable things. You know, if the Four Seasons can do it, why not fish champagne and bubbles bar? So um, that's the goal. We just want to get champagne in people's hands, get more club members, make it out there. And that's how we're going to do it. Nice. Nice. So where can people find you at? How can they reach yes. out to you? Um, if you want to be part of the champagne revolution, go to fishchampagneclub.com. Or if you are visiting the Sacramento region, fizzandsac.com, or if you are in the Walnut Creek, East Bay, San Francisco area, or even Napa, it's only 30 minutes away, um, visit fizzwalnutcreek.com. We are on Instagram, all of those handles, at fizzandsac, at fizzchampagneclub, fizzwalnutcreek. I am at Raymond James Irwin. You're welcome to follow me around. I do a lot of fun adventures with champagne and sparkling wine, and uh, just, yeah, it's awesome to, to be with you, my friend Cornelius. You are a special friend, and again, yeah, another great brother in Christ who I am so excited to see all of the great success that you're having and everything God's doing in your life. Thank you. Good. Thank you, sir, so much. And thank you again, family, for another episode of Simple Champagne and Raymond. Until next time, God bless. Peace. God bless. Thanks. Cheers. Back off, man. I'm a scientist. I'm a scientist.